and welcome back to another episode of the Mac and D podcast. How you doing, Jimmy D? How are we feeling post draft? I'm gonna I'm gonna mix it up. Usually, I would say feeling fantastic, feeling great, whatever. I'm sad right now. There, we have a long, long time before there's any really relevant football news that's going to be coming out. You know, you're going to be stretched real thin trying to find some content to make. Yeah, it's going to just be news at the top, like Antonio Brown signing with the Ravens and then signing with all 31 other teams in the NFL all at once. It's going to be very boring news going forward. But the draft, super exciting this past weekend. I went to the NFL draft. Mediocre experience across the board. I went to the draft. I got super close, was in the second row. And then I met the most stereotypical Rams fan I've ever seen in my entire life. The guy had Cheeto fingers and he had the yellowest teeth and had dandruff and he was wearing a Steven Jackson Rams jersey. And I was like, this is exactly what I think Rams fans are, at least the St. Louis version. And I was up close and personal and everything. And then I had to go meet my friends and we couldn't get back down to the area that we wanted to be at, which was just brutal. So we just went we just went to watch it somewhere because you weren't close enough to actually watch. And so we go to we go to this bar and like it's full of Kansas City fans, of course. And I'm like the one Lions fan there. And I'm like all hyped up because like the Lions control the board, baby. Like we got two top 18 picks. The only team that can maybe hold a candle to how many picks we have is the Houston Texans. And then we all know how that went. And it's all been downhill since there. And I've felt nothing over the last five days just trying to recover from the experience. Yeah, I, I need you to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit. Big fan of the Lions draft. A lot of maybe college analysts that I've seen are just like absolutely jacked for what the Lions did. And then, you know, I've seen a lot of Lions fans super happy. You know, they love seeing the playmaker in Gibbs. They like seeing getting a, a, you know, a big fast linebacker in Jack Campbell. And then you're just, you're, you're sad. You're throwing a pity party. What's going on? So let's break it down by round and just we're going to move into draft winners and losers. Let's just get it going. Starting with the losers here. It's got to be the Detroit Lions. As you mentioned, all the old school people really love this draft. Everyone that's stuck in 1970 that thinks Kiss is still relevant. All those kind of people are stoked for this Lions draft. It's because they went Jameer Gibbs at number 12 and they went Jack Campbell at 18. We already have a video out about this first round so i'm not going to belabor it too much but anytime you have a prime draft position you are right there to get a blue chip player and you just fumble it by trading down to number 12 and only get a second round pick mind you keep keep in mind literally the other big trade down we saw that night was the texans trading up to number uh, three for the arizona cardinals pick from 12 you know how much they had to give up to make that happen they had to give up 12 they have to give up a second round pick, a future third round pick, and a future first round pick. They got so much value for a pick that wasn't all that different if you're looking at th- three versus six. So the Lions really fumbled just in terms of pure draft pick value. And then they went out and got two players at positions that weren't a need or aren't valuable. The Lions literally for the last few years have been plugging and playing linebackers. It's worked extremely well. Dan Campbell is a special. I would say he's kind of a specialist when it comes to linebackers and at running back, they were fine. They literally already gave a big contract to David Montgomery. They literally already had Deandre Swift who they just refused to play for whatever reason. If you wanted to just load up on running back, just sign Jamal Williams back to a two-year, $4 million deal or something like that. There, there's no point in drafting a running back that highly, especially given that Jameer Gibbs never even cracked 1,000 yards in college. Not that college production is everything, but the dude's just average. These eyes have seen Jameer Gibbs in real life. He's not that spectacular. I'm super upset about it. I I, um, I gave you a hypothetical, which I, I think might actually be my specialty, is just finding out when you're mad and giving you hypotheticals. And I said, okay, would you have rather had Jameer Gibbs and he turns into Christian McCaffrey or just like literally any other position drafted there, right? You know, just an elite corner or an elite DN. And I think you and I both agreed that getting elite running back production just doesn't really translate to winning in the NFL, but nailing tackle or, you know, best edge on the board like that, that's a game changer. And I really feel like that's what the Lions should have done where they were positioned this draft. Yeah, Jalen Carter fell into their laps, and you know why they didn't draft him, right? It's because they didn't bring him in for a valuable interview. They had one conversation with him, and Jalen Carter said it was exceptionally short. And it's like, you're not doing your due diligence as a team at that point. And Brad Holmes has come out 
the GM for the Lions. And he's been trying to explain some of his rationale, really trying to big brain it. And he's like, we had all the information, all these mock draft gurus, like they have limited information and think they're so much smarter. I'm like, no, you're, you're just so ignorant or arrogant of the actual empirical evidence that is out there. You're just refusing to do what is actually smart and has been proven to be smart. And it's super frustrating to also watch the general media kind of play into it to a degree. It, it, it was funny because the NFL, um, like they have like their corporate sponsored account, you know, it's literally just at NFL on Twitter. They gave the Lions a C plus grade which like has to be the lowest grade I've ever seen the NFL give a team, even with it being the team account, because they're always like, oh, it's a positive draft. All 32 teams got better, but they actually gave a bad grade to the Lions, which is pretty damn funny. Um, but watching like the closer media, the, the team, the ones that are like right on the field, like the beat writers and such, they've been trying to rationalize and say like, oh, you know, all these other teams, they were zigging and the Lions decided to zag and like all the other teams are drafting scared and the Lions weren't scared in their draft. I'm like, no, Lions were just stupid. Like, I don't know how a team can continually be this dumb. And whenever that uh, first pick came in, which was Jameer Gibbs at 12, where there were a bunch of really other good options, Christian Gonzalez, you guys drafted for example when that first pick came in i literally just like fell backwards people were like dragging out their phones and like taking pictures of me and like in the moment i was thinking like there's been a lot of bad moments as a lions fan in my lifetime but like this is the first time i genuinely felt embarrassment like the lions came out and said that they would have drafted jameer gibbs at six over Bijan robinson like your franchise is fundamentally just doing something wrong. If you think that's actually an option, like I will literally stop watching sports forever. If Jameer Gibbs mind, maybe an injury or something. If Jameer Gibbs actually ends up being better than B. John Robinson, like it's so impossible. There's no freaking way. So that's the first round. And it all, somehow it only got worse from there, which is what's crazy. Crazy. Like we had the Jack Campbell uh, in the first round and then the second round. We're like, okay, here we go. Things are going to be fine. I, we get Brian Branch, which was a good pick. A, a little weird that he was falling off. Kind of makes me feel like there's something wrong with him. And we get Sam Laporta, tight end out of Iowa, which was a fine pick. And then we got Hendon Hooker in the third round. How, James? Why? What are we doing? That, that one, I I was so happy when I saw that. I, I don't know if you got the news first or if I texted you first of like, hey, man, I see you got your boy. Because if anyone's been a, a longtime listener of the podcast, it's like if there's two people that you didn't want drafted, it was Keon White and Hendon Hooker. My team took Keon White, so you gave me shit. Your team took Hendon Hooker, so I had to throw it right back at you. It's like back to back, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe that we took a quarterback in the third round whenever we already have Jared Goff. And it'd be fine if you're like, hey, Jared Goff, get a first round talent it, that that makes a lot of sense to me. But Jared Goff is like three years older than Hendon Hooker. That's it. Like I, I had some friends texting me. They're like, oh, he'll be a great bridge quarterback to Hendon Hooker. I'm like, bridge quarterback. Hooker's going to be retired by the time he's ready. At this point, he's going to not play until he's 26. He's not going to play this upcoming season. There's no way. And so like, if you think you're grooming him into something better, I fat chance I, I i could sell you some snake oil right now it's been doubly crazy with all the news that's been coming out lately too with that the lions are looking to try and extend jared goff like this was never the plan the whole point to do what they did which was tear it down to the studs they traded away everybody that had any level of value like darius slay cut people that were big contracts like trey flowers and trade away matthew stafford the whole point was to get really really bad and then get really good. Like the whole point is to tank. Their whole their whole existence alliance has been has been to tank, but now they were actually going to do it correctly. They had Jared Goff, who they were supposed to trade for picks. They were supposed to get a quarterback highly. They flopped on that. They had the sixth overall pick. They had a chance to maybe move up for Anthony Richardson or CJ Stroud. They didn't make it happen. And now it's just super frustrating because the Lions seem like with their pick of Gibbs and Campbell and drafting Hooker and wanting to extend Goff, it really feels like they're going to be stuck in that Jeff Fisher reigns range of being seven to nine and ten and seven. That is just classic Jeff Fisher right there. And why would you want to lock in mediocrity? I don't get it. There is no chance this team wins a Super Bowl as currently constructed. I don't know. I think you're salty, man. It sounds like they were zigging when everyone else is zagging. So I, I think you should be excited. 
biggest draft losers. It probably was the worst draft I've ever seen. And then they capped it all off by trading away DeAndre Swift for essentially nothing, a 2025 fourth round pick. And the reversal that I've seen in the Lions fan base saying, oh, DeAndre Swift, he's always bad. We knew that. that. Dude, that honestly, people throwing D Swift under the bus was, was truly mind boggling to me because everyone this entire last season was just like, why isn't Swift? Like every time Swift touches the ball, it feels like it's a 10 yard gain, if not better. And every Lions fan was like, oh, my God, just give this guy the ball. This is incredible. Now he's in, in Philadelphia. He'll probably have a 1,200-yard season. But you guys are like, oh, he's a bum. I'm glad. Like, oh, just yeah, if he played, he'd have been fine. But he never played. And it's like, yeah, you're complaining he wasn't playing. And it was, to your own credit, a, co- a coaching decision. Like, it wasn't him. Yeah. So who knows? We'll, we'll see how that turns out. I'm I'm pretty excited because I think he's going to be a super awesome buy-low candidate this year, like a fourth-round running back with round one upside. Uh, and I mean, like he could be this year's Miles Sanders, right? Like no one touches him and you're like, oh, okay, I'll give it a chance. And it just pops off. Yeah. He was ultimately a winner of the draft. Like you're welcome. I'm happy for you. Deandre Swift, you escaped Detroit and actually went to a situation that makes a lot of sense. The Lions switching up on him was so damn predictable and it all comes down to, and like, I'm not trying to say that I know better, but it all comes down to the Lions refusing to use Deandre Swift correctly. They wanted a Jamal Williams between the tackle type running back, and they didn't know how to use any other type of player that didn't love that level of physicality. And now I've got to worry Jameer Gibbs might kind of fall into that range a little bit. Like, yeah, Jameer Gibbs isn't as afraid to get tackled and everything, but his biggest strength is being a receiving back. So you would think, oh, plug and play Jameer Gibbs like he's going to be a top fantasy asset next year. Actually, I I don't like this Gibbs landing. Like, I was really excited to draft Gibbs in my first five picks of my dynasty drafts. I don't even want to do that anymore. What do you think of Gibbs' value for next year? It's hard to say. That whole, I mean, this whole past season, right, the Lions were one of the hardest teams to predict. The only person you felt good about was healthy Amon Ra. And then he kind of went through the ankle issues, and you really just weren't sure what you were getting. But outside of that, you just didn't know who was getting the ball week to week that they were like throwing weird ass pass. It's like fifth string tight ends and all sorts of just wild things were happening. I, I mean, it could work out. Um, but the, and then again, I mean, you know, does David Montgomery just assume the Jamal Williams role and like steal every touchdown from Jameer Gibbs Does David Montgomery actually get all the touches and Jameer Gibbs never touches the field. Like we don't really know how they're going to use this backfield. And that makes it really tough to put high draft capital into a Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, absolutely. And they just have a bunch of other things going on. Doesn't really feel like the offense is going to have that uh, take over the top ability that you need because Jameson Williams is going to be gone for six games at the very least. So it's just this whole thing was so, so high. Like the vibes were so good. We really felt like this Lions team was going to win the NFC North. And you messaged me and you're like, ah, Green Bay Packers kind of feel like a good value to win the NFC North. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'd be hammering that right now because they had a much better draft and have had a much better offseason than the Lions so far. So crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah, let's fire through some of these other losers. So, you know, you talk about the 49ers drafting a kicker. They they got the consensus number one kicker in the draft, but damn, does it hurt trading up? I think they traded up or maybe they just it was their comp pick. But yeah, drafting a kicker in the third round. What did you think about that one? Yeah, it gave me Sebastian Janikowski to the Raiders vibes. I, I, I like a good kicker. Don't get me wrong, but it's just so easy to bust on these guys, even when they're the consistent number one guy. I learned that on very early on in like my football fandom because Nebraska had this great kicker named Alex Henry. I was like, this dude's automatic. And then he gets to the pros and for whatever reason, he just lost all of his confidence because it's such a mental game. And he was out of the league after like three or four years after being a fourth round pick of the Philadelphia Eagles. So it's just not smart because you can't predict which of these guys are going to be good. I'd rather go get an Australian guy as an undrafted free agent personally. Yeah. And you talked to Chiefs. I know you really liked the Felix Uzama as a player, but what was it like the first round? You didn't love that they, they got him that early. What, what's going on there? Yeah, he he's a guy who's kind of been uh, going up draft boards, or at least from what I've seen. And then we get to the actual NFL draft, and it's like the, the Chiefs have the last pick in the first round, the 31st pick. It felt like they felt a lot of pressure to actually go out and make a pick rather than making a smarter move, which would have been to trade down. There were a lot of other pass rushers I liked a little bit more that they uh, decided to take Felix over like BJ Ojolari. That felt like a bit of a reach for me at 31. And then in the second round, 
They made kind of a baffling decision at wide receiver, in my opinion. They made a trade up to number 55 and got Rasheed Rice, a wide receiver out of SMU. Rasheed Rice is fine. He's just kind of a frail guy who doesn't get a ton of separation. And in my mind, the the hard part there is you didn't have to trade up to get him. There were a lot of other good wide receivers that were in that range. So if you would have even missed out on Rasheed Rice, you could have had Cedric Tillman or a bunch of these other guys superly easily available. And they just kind of made a weird trade up in my mind. So it wasn't a bad draft. It was just like the chiefs didn't get better than some of these other teams did. Well, I mean, their front office has proven to be pretty savvy. You know, they've had, they've, they've nailed their defensive picks. So I feel like maybe that means Uzama is actually going to just pop off. Um, You know, I think the head scratcher maybe would be, at 31, Will Levis doesn't get drafted. You know they had to, be get, had to have been getting calls of people wanting to get that level of quarterback with the five years on his contract, not four after, you know, once you bounce out of that four, uh, first round. And I know you and I were very critical of Will Levis, but I feel like it should really be noted. We were critical of Will Levis as a top 10 pick. His upside at the end of the first round felt like it was truly a value. I don't know why they didn't trade out. Like, they, they let the Titans get away with waiting until the second pick of the second round instead of, you know, making someone pay up there at the at the end of the draft. It kind of, to your point, felt like they felt the pressure of hosting the draft and they, they were going to go ahead and draft someone just because all their fans were there. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it would have been like super anticlimactic if we got to that point and the Chiefs fans were all waiting around and they're like, haha, the Chiefs straight away the pick. Like people would have been uh, pissed driving home, probably super drunk. Uh, this is kind of a weird one, too. You just to segue into the Will Levis thing. I, it felt like cyberbullying worked, right? Like I felt super vindicated with my opinion about Will Levis because all offseason long, we were just hammering the fact that as a top 10 pick, he wasn't a good value. But in the second round, incredible value. Now all the pressure is off. People got all their jokes and memes out of the way. And he goes to a nondescript situation in Tennessee where I feel like, honestly, Vrabel is going to be able to utilize him super well. This really sucks for Ryan Tannehill. This really sucks for Malik Willis. This really sucks for, honestly, anyone that's in Tennessee next year. Like Their depth chart, especially at wide receiver, is awful. It's Traylon Burks. And then everybody else is just incredibly mid. It's Nick Westbrook Akine. It's Kyle Phillips, Chris Moore. Like they didn't draft a wide receiver, even though they desperately needed one. So if Will Levis gets a chance to develop a little bit, learn under Rabel and kind of get that Brady way in him, he could end up having some success because I feel like a lot of this stuff comes down to like nurture versus nature with Will Levis. Well, the nice thing, too, is by not being a top five pick, he's not going to be expected to start week one. It's it's going to be Tannehill's job to lose. But as we saw last season, it's very losable, if you will. Like, I mean, Tannehill's just kind of getting older, a little more injury prone, not having that, you know, once in a lifetime peak, like nearly MVP season that he had again, just once. Like, I'm not saying once in a lifetime as if, you know, like as a misnomer, like it was truly only going to happen one time for him. Uh, so, you know, after week six, if they're kind of just a losing team in a, in a mid division, like, I mean, they proved like, it, it took two games, three games for Malik Willis to not even eclipse 300 passing yards. Like he's definitely pretty much already classified as a bust. Like, it, I mean, Will just needs to bide his time, learn as much as he can and be, you know, ready to go come mid season. And I, I think that's just such an easier situation to walk into than, you know, like a Zach Wilson that just got thrown into the fire of the, you know, the New York media like, game one. So. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a good situation for him. Wouldn't it be some shit if Will Levis ends up being the best quarterback and it's just because the situation was better, like better than CJ Stroud because he's getting thrown into the flames at Houston, better than Bryce Young because he's super small and like can't handle the the heat behind that offensive line in Carolina. Like it'd be kind of funny if that's how it ended up working out. It would just be because the situation was a little bit better. So yeah. uh, some other winners that we got here. I think you and I both agree. Geno Smith, ultimate team winner, because the Seahawks went out and got him some weapons. Seahawks went dummy hard. Yeah, got Jackson Smith Najigba, one of our favorite wide receivers in this draft. Even have to draft him as the, or no, they did draft him as the first receiver, but it's like in that run of first receivers. They're just like, screw it. Once we get here, we get here. But yeah, they, they didn't have to do anything crazy. They just took great players that were left on the board. Yeah, then went out and got Zach Charbonnet, which, you know, both of I, both you and I at least agreed that like he was going to be pretty dang good. And now like this is a running back friendly offense that he can definitely thrive in. 
And like, there is no excuse now if you're Geno Smith. Like, there was always opportunity that he would fall off a little bit next year. But now you got DK. Now you got Lockett. Now you have JSN. Now you have Charbonnet. And you still have Ken Walker III, who almost won Offensive Rookie of the Year last year, plus a pretty good offensive line with like Charles Cross and everything. So the Seahawks are going to know very early on if they actually do have their quarterback of the future happening here. Absolutely. And then I, I think the big one, for me, almost like the consensus winner to where even other NFL GMs were like, hey, stop talking about them. Like, you know, they did fine, whatever. Like just, you know, like the jealous girlfriend. But the Eagles had a hell of a draft. I mean, they just let great Georgia players fall to them and said, all right, we're picking Georgia Bulldogs. Woof, woof, woof. Yeah, they're just like not making mistakes. And whenever you're a GM, I feel like that's like the number one thing you got to avoid. And it sounds super easy, but I feel like for example, Brad Holmes with the Lions. Everybody tries to Jedi mind trick all these picks and have like the sexy steal to draft and everything. And like maybe the best thing is to just take the best players. Like Jalen Carter falls to you, take him. Nolan Smith falls to you, take him. It's not that freaking hard. And the Eagles executed to perfection on draft night. It was crazy. I think we have to thank the Eagles for not letting Nolan Smith fall one more pick because the Chiefs would have absolutely snapped him up in a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. There were a lot of Chiefs fans around me that were groaning after that <laughs> Nolan Smith selection. Yeah. And you have the Bills as a winner. So what what was what got you so excited about their draft? Yeah, I, I usually don't like the Bills drafts too much, but honestly, they've been doing kind of better recently. So the Buffalo Bills in the first round went out and got another tight end, which don't love the value and normal kind of situation. You and I both don't really like a first round tight end. But honestly, in the range that they got Kincaid, I don't mind it. Like 25th overall isn't like a ton of value or anything. So you pair him with Dawson Knox. It, it's a better like real life football fit than like a fantasy football fit. And then they went out and got a second first rounder in my mind in the second round by drafting Osiris Torrance at 59 overall, arguably the top guard in all of the draft. I, I like getting Osiris Torrance more at 59 than the Bears going out and getting Darnell Wright, who's like a pseudo guard slash offensive tackle at number 10. Like, I think they made out like bandits with their first two picks here and just got some good depth later on in the draft. So goes to the Bills for just drafting a overall solid class here. Yeah, I I, 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 I like the, the thought of just it seems like anyone willing to take a guard late first or early second, like they, they end up getting great value out of it because it's one of those positions that doesn't have the the prestige of tackle. But if you can get a killer guard that can flex to tackle in a pinch, like I feel like you're just setting your lineup for just, you know, being able to weather any kind of key injuries because we see it every year. It's like teams are in the playoffs, like the Bengals are in the playoffs and they've had like eight different offensive line combinations. But if you can make it work and you just give your guy enough time, like, I mean, that's all they need. Like you have Josh Allen, you give him a little bit of time. He can find an open receiver. Absolutely. And then also with that team dynamic, getting another big beefy guard up front, another winner here is easily Zach Moss. I, I feel like not enough people are talking about the fact that the Buffalo Bills did not draft a running back, which was like pretty much the script at this point. Like everyone was expecting that to happen. And then they just didn't go after a guy. Yes. They got Damian Harris and free agency and there's some depth pieces that are always looming, but like it is Zach Moss's job to lose at this point. Like, are you going out and trading for Zach Moss at this point in fantasy? Or are you kind of hesitant on the situation? I'm hesitant because they didn't draft a running back under the, um, I guess like the understanding that they'd be getting Latavius Murray. So I think they are signing Latavius Murray, which is not like the most exciting pick, but that dude's been stealing carries from productive running backs for a long time now. And and I think James Cook has a a step up this season. We've really started to see it the last few games of the year that he's kind of coming into his own, having some bigger games. I would not be surprised to see James Cook really have just an awesome season, kind of play a a good scat back second, third down back type role and, and see Damian Harris take a ton of those first down carries. Yeah, that's also true. Another guy that's just kind of following Bass backwards into a good situation is Rashad White. Similar situation with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just not a lot of big players coming into Tampa Bay at the running back position. No one getting drafted to Tampa Bay and no more playoff Lenny going on there. Lenny P or Leonard Fournette playoff uh, playoff Lenny. He's completely gone. Like there's just a wide open chasm for a guy to kind of just take this role like Rashad White did down the stretch. And it feels like it's going to be his job to lose here. Do, do we see Rashad White as like a 
fifth round pick or like a fourth round pick this season do you think uh, i think you could make the argument for sure the the hard part being their quarterback situation uh, i mean do you trust a baker led offense i don't know i mean if they're out their own lines healthy it's probably rashad white season but we'll, we'll just have to see how camp goes yeah what did you think of the zay flowers drafting to uh baltimore yeah, I thought that was huge. Um, I, I put him as one of my rookies to stock up on, which I think we're going to kind of segue right into that. But uh, that was big. The, the Ravens right before the draft said, oh, hey, by the way, we resigned Lamar. So Ravens fans breathed the sigh of relief. You know, they have OBJ now. People were like, OK, they're kind of trying to do something. And then bang, get Zay Flowers finally have an actual replacement to Marquise Brown. They, they never really replaced the production that Marquise Brown gave their offense. And I think Zay's kind of a more dynamic player than Marquise. He's not just a burner. He's got a little bit more shiftiness to him. I think it's just huge for the Ravens to get that kind of playmaker because they just haven't had that. We thought it was going to be, uh, help me out here, he was one of your favorite receivers last year for the Ravens. Oh, uh, Rashad Bateman. We thought it was going to be Rashad Bateman. He moved the chains, but he never really moved the needle uh, for that offense, if that makes sense. like It just wasn't quite what we thought it would be, and then he got injured. I think Zay's going to really step it up for him. Yeah, I feel bad for Rashad Bateman. I have him a lot of my dynasty leagues too, which is what makes it tough. But it does kind of feel like he's been surpassed in this offseason, which for the Ravens is great. Like if Rashad Bateman is your wide receiver three, you're sitting pretty, pretty, right? Now there's Odell. Now there's a Flowers. And now you have Rashad Bateman, three very different types of wide receivers. But it definitely feels like this will be Zay Flowers show, at least in the second half of the season next year, once he becomes a little more accustomed to the whole offense. Uh, some other receivers that we really, really like here. I love the landing spot for Jonathan Mingo. He was not a guy that was like super, super high on my radar. Like I didn't have him as like a first round wide receiver. But then the Panthers went out and got him. And I'm like, whoa, like that could be pretty fun pretty quickly. You pair him with Bryce Young. You have Adam Thielen kind of taking that cornerback one and he allows him to be that uh, taking that cornerback two. Like that could be pretty exciting pretty quickly. He was a lot of fun at Ole Miss last year. DJ Chark is also there to take some of the heat off. I think it could actually be a pretty dynamic Carolina offense pretty early on with Mingo there. So I'm excited to draft him. And I know a lot of, of analysts really kind of um, pigeonholed him into a DK Metcalf type player due to body size, uh, college they went to, etc. But I mean, if he even comes out as 80% of DK Metcalf as a rookie, I mean, that's a big win for the Panthers where they got him. Same as how DK was a big one for the Seahawks because they were really good in the second round. Uh, the other rookie receiver that I think we're both pretty excited for would be Quentin Johnston. So we weren't wanting our teams to draft him necessarily because we knew it was going to take a first rounder. But the team that got him, the Chargers, I think, is the team that will utilize him best. Uh, they get a ton of production out of Mike Williams when he's on the field. So why not just draft a younger Mike Williams to replace Mike when Mike gets injured? Like It's just got to be like a perfect situation for Quentin. Yeah, you can kind of lock Quentin Johnson in for like 800 yards this year, it feels like, because after Keenan Allen misses six games, after Mike Williams also misses six games, and Eckler kind of holds out during the season, it's only going to be Quentin Johnson to get passes from Justin Herbert. So I, I actually kind of like the fit for the Chargers, at maybe not the best value at the first round, but you get Justin Herbert another weapon, and I feel like that's always a good thing. And I think Quentin Johnson could... Do some good things in this offense, honestly. He, at minimum, will get four 50-50 balls a game. Two of them will go for 50 yards. Absolutely. Um, more rapid fire here. I love Devin A-Chain to the Dolphins. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, Texas A&M running back. Super fast, super swift. And I feel like one of the holes in the entire running back market right now was in Miami. Just because they have a bunch of just really average running backs at this point. Jeff Wilson Jr., the Raheem Mostert's of the world. It's kind of San, San Francisco East at this point. And I love getting a little bit of youth in there. And he's third round pick coming in. So, you know, he's going to get a lot of pick a lot of runs so love Devin a chain to the dolphins he can make a big impression early on yeah and then a fun one for me uh, we're kind of opposite here so again the, I, I look at this as like we're kind of taking this as a fantasy uh perspective but at charbonnet i'm really excited for uh it's such a friendly run offense in seattle like pete carroll wants to run the ball every single down if he can uh, it worked out really well for kenneth walker we've seen it before where he just runs one running back into the ground. And as soon as that guy gets a little banged up, he just puts the next running back right in and runs him into the ground. So I, I was talking to you before. I feel like Charbonnet is going to be an easy late round pick that you can get. And it's like it, you take like both Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet after the first six games, trade Kenneth Walker for maximum value. 
and, and then just ride uh, Charbonnet as the second half of the season, I think he could really pop off. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And you're right, because Seattle loves them some good running backs. But I, I love the player, just kind of hate the volume, just because I don't. I feel like if you're Pete Carroll, you can't look at all the wide receivers that you have right now. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jason, that might be the most wide receiver talent he's ever had at any point. Like think back to those Geno Smith or the Russell Wilson early years, like his number one receiver is Doug Baldwin, who ended up turning into a really nice player. But then after that is like curse and guys that are Chris Smith, like guys, I don't even remember their names at this point. So I think if you're Pete Carroll, you got to air it out a little bit more. It'd be kind of ironic if after all those years of let Russ cook, let Russ cook, he actually lets Geno cook. Um, We'll see. We'll see with this. It, playing two running backs could definitely be a viable option. Have both of those guys just split behind Geno Smith and let them both catch passes out of the backfield. A lot of good options there. I, I just I feel like there's other running backs that are going to have easier paths to a lot of volume early on. So Charbonnet might be more of a stealth pick for later on in the season when he could potentially win the job or get some injury carries. Yeah, the guy that's going to is really just has a pathway to a ton of volume with David Montgomery out of town, Rashawn Johnson. I think everyone kind of had him on their radar as a value draft pick this year. Like in the NFL draft, he's definitely going to be a value pick in your fantasy draft. Why don't you go ahead and and just hype him up for us? Yeah, no, I mean, I love me some Roshan Johnson. He's one of my favorite running backs in the draft. Some people are saying he's even better than Bijan Robinson at Texas, which I... Uh, which is weird because like I can't fully disagree just because he's such an angry runner. I just love that way that man runs. I, my question for you with him, are you worried at all with Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert at this point? Because those are the other two guys that are still in town. So Herbert, I think, eats into his workload. I, I mean, I guess Dante Foreman, but I don't know. I, I've never been the, the big Dante Foreman guy. Like all of his production came because there's a giant void of Christian McCaffrey leaving. I, I don't feel like it was necessarily like him going out and stealing workload from anyone. Um this could be a terrifying committee for fantasy owners because each guy might get seven touches a game, not one guy getting 15. But uh, we've seen it plenty of times people get banged up and then I want the rookie. If, if I'm going to try to win a, a battle of, uh, of attrition here, you know, injuries tend to hit those guys that have already taken hits and uh, Dante form has taken quite a few of them already in his career. Yeah, I, you were pretty early on, on on the Khalil Herbert train here, and he had 731 rushing yards last year on 5.7 yards per carry. Like the dude is super efficient. Yeah, he's dude, honestly he's he's going to be. I'm snagging him in every league this year. Like people are going to forget that he existed because of Monty, but I mean, it's wide open for him. He kind of has a like boring name. Like he's one of those boring name fantasy players where it's just like he's just not a sexy pick. He's going to be in a committee early on, most likely, and he's just kind of boring. But I feel like there's going to be a lot of value there. So I'm excited for him as well. Some other rookies I'm excited for Darnell Washington to Pittsburgh. Yeah, Friar Meath is still there, but Washington is a beast. They're going to do a lot of two tight end sets with Najee Harris and Kenny Thicket. Kenny Pickett's looking thick and he's going to be running a lot behind that offensive line with seven offensive linemen out there, essentially. And I loved Arnell Washington so much. And I think that was a perfect situation for him to fall into. Yeah. Is Nashi Harris RB one for you now that the Steelers went tackle into tight end. That's basically a tackle. Yeah. I never, he never stopped being RB one. <laughs> okay, perfect. I, I think my boy Chase Brown for the fighting a line, I might've fallen into about the perfect position. Joe Mixon really showed some some cracks in the armor last year, gave up a lot of carries to Samaji Pirine, who was just playing better by the end of the season. And they don't re-sign Pirine. They're already kind of at odds with Mixon because of contract dispute, wanting to restructure, etc. Chase Brown might get 20 touches a game after about the fourth week of the season. Uh, definitely a sleeper pick running back to keep your eye out for. And I mean, just like a what top three rusher in the NCAA this year that no one ever talks about because he played for the, for the U of I. Yeah, and I feel like easily Zach Taylor is going to fall in love with him in camp. And he's already running back, too, as you mentioned. Like, there's really no one else here. And if Joe Mixon continues to have his legal troubles, injury troubles, fumble troubles, everything else is Chase Brown's season easily. So I'm really excited for that one, too. And he he was a pretty high pick. Like, it's not like he was, like, undrafted free agent or something like that. So they they think really highly of him. So I think there's going to there's gonna be some noise from him I mean, this season. With the last name Brown, I mean, he's playing in Paul Brown Stadium. Like, I mean, it's just, he's got to get touches. That's what's going to happen. You know he's going to haunt Cleveland for a while. 
let's look at some guys that we're a little less excited about the season. These are guys that we think that their rookie value is going to be a little lower than we initially expected just due to their situation. We already brought them up, so I'll just quickly go through these two guys. The two Seahawks, JSN and Charbonnet, or at least Charbonnet for me. I, I just think there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed, and that doesn't breed to fantasy success. That's just kind of how it goes. Down the road? Yes, JNN, JSN, but not this season. I think it's going to be a little tough for him. Yeah, Tyler Lockett's still around. That's 1,000 yards. DK's still around. That's 1,400 yards. Like, How much do we reasonably, reasonably expect Gino to throw for? Uh, JSN's going to be on the short end of the stick there, a lot like Elijah Moore last year, I think, where it's like it's a really good receiver, but just not enough to go around. Yep. Uh, for me, honestly, I think the worst spot Bijan Robinson could have landed was the Falcons. Um, it, it just didn't make sense because there is one thing the Falcons did well, and it was running the football. Like they didn't need to add an elite running back to keep running the ball while Tyler Azure was doing a perfectly adequate job at that. Um, they, they had so many other position, like problems to fill. They probably should have traded down and tried to get more defensive picks or something. I, I just didn't love Bijan there. And I think as well as Tyler Algier played last year, it's not like Bijan's going to walk in and, and get an Ezekiel Elliott workload. He's not getting 25, 30 touches. He's going to get 15 maybe. Like I just I think it could, he could have gone to a better spot. Yeah, you brought up Algier. You got Cordell Patterson still there. You have Caleb Huntley that randomly would get like 15 carries per game last year. Like this is going to be an Arthur Smith masterclass of just sharing the ball around. And it's going to be really, really frustrating. I feel like early on in the fantasy season, because a lot of people are going to be expecting B. John Robinson to go off for 1800 yards, but he did not fall into a running back friendly option here just in terms of having a bell cow running back. So it's going to be a little bit tough for a bit. Yeah. Just really remember what, what, um, Arthur Smith did to, to our boy Kyle Pitts. Like, you do really think he's going to work it, work a Bijan in, in, in such an amazing way? I, I don't know if I trust it. Yeah. And it's not even going to be about like the volume necessarily, I guess. It's going to be just like about the quality of the options that they give to Bijan Robinson. Like, he's going to be getting that dirty work, not the cool, sexy plays where he's actually able to get a lot of fancy value. It's going to be a lot between the tackle bullshit and it's going to be really boring and re- ground and pound kind of Tennessee Titans type offense. I'm not excited for that. Uh, one guy that I was super excited about was uh, Zach Kuntz. And now it looks like Kuntz might bust. Not super excited about this. So he fell all the way to the seventh round, tight end out of Old Dominion. Super athletic, like incredibly athletic player. And he went to the Jets, which just like a combination of everything just feels really bad about that option there. He's behind two highly paid tight ends right now, Tyler Conklin and CJ Ozuma. Two guys that are, have blocking ability. Two guys that also have receiving ability. And talk about a team that doesn't have patience. Like this is a team that has three guys who are really young and can develop in Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, and Sauce Gardner. They could have taken all the time in the world. And you know what? They said, fuck it. We're going to go get the 39-year-old quarterback. Who cares about getting a rookie? Who cares about going after Lamar, who's still young? We're going to go as old as possible. We are impatient. And now they're not going to have patience with my boy, Zach Kuntz. I'm super upset about it. Let Kuntz develop, and they won't. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. They they really could have gone for trying to get a younger quarterback. I think Aaron will be great for the two seasons he's there. But like, if they don't win a Super Bowl, right, it was a completely busted attempt. So... It's a it's all a pretty tall order, uh, I would say. And then the the other tight end that I'm kind of down on would be Dalton Kincaid. We said it earlier, like the football production is going to be incredible. They're going to have some awesome sets. You're not going to be able to know what the Bills are about to do. There's a lot of mouths to feed in that Bills offense. Kincaid's not about to get just like this highlight role. He's going to have a couple big games. He's going to be your your daily fantasy kind of sleeper pick every now and again, but. With Dawson Knox there, who just got you know a, a good extension, you've got Diggs, you've got Gabe Davis. Like he's going to reasonably be about the fourth best option on any given route, uh, which isn't the greatest if you're trying to get production. But it's also tight end, so you could pick him at like the last pick and just hope it works out. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, down the stretch, I think he could end up being pretty good. But like rookie tight ends are just never all that good anyway. So Laporta, Kincaid, Michael Meyer. Like those are probably all guys to just flat out not look at this season. Just close your eyes and hope it's better in their sophomore seasons. 
My last guy here is another niche one just because that's what I like here. And that Sean Tucker running back out of Syracuse, super excited about him. Thought there would be a lot of opportunity for him. I thought someone in the NFL draft would fall in love with him just like I did. A bowling ball of a running back. And uh, no, he went undrafted. Um, one of those guys that I definitely had like a draftable grade on. And he uh, he went as an undrafted free agent to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Honestly, not a bad situation as we detailed for Rashad White. Just not a lot of talent or running back there right now. But it's a little tough, tough, tough look for my guy. It just shows that the NFL and Tampa Bay in general just don't have a lot of faith in him. So hopefully he can uh, he can catch on somewhere. But we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. So we got kind of our ups and downs. Let's go ahead and we're, we're doing draft grades here. But unlike trying to draft every single team as if you and I know, I got I like pick a random team from the AFC South or something like we don't know what some of these teams really did reasonably. We yeah. know kind of the highs and lows. So we just picked an A, a B, a C, a D and an F to give out. And we're going to give each team, not each team, a team that grade. Uh, so I'll start it off. We said it earlier, the obvious winners, you know, paper winners of the draft. I was pretty stoked for the Eagles. I mean, falling into just elite player after elite player drafting at nine, I was like, holy crap, I cannot believe the Bears are going to trade out of number one and still get the guy that I thought they were probably going to take at number one. And then they traded down. I'm like, what are we doing here? And go ahead and the Eagles just just snap up uh, uh, Jalen Carter. Carter. And it's just like, yep, kudos to you guys. Get Nolan Smith. So A, a plus for the Eagles. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy draft. I'm pretty jealous of them. And I wish we had their GM, Howie Roseman. So if you ever want to be a lion, it's an open invitation. I have the bills here, but honestly, we already talked about them. So I'm also going to go Colts for an A grade here. They they stood pat and they actually got their guy, which was pretty exciting to watch. Anthony Richardson, I think, will be amazing next year. I'm really excited to see what he does in that offense. And it really shows that like the Colts are deciding to be aggressive and not just be mediocre. They also got your guy, Josh Downs, in the third round. Really good value, honestly, for Downs. A guy who a lot of people thought could sneak into the first round. And then he's got a bunch of other guys that are just like classic, scrappy Colts players. So I think the Colts are definitely one of the teams that got better in this draft, and ju- they just did it by not being dumb, honestly. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go right off of that. A team that I think got better in this draft by just accepting the talent that got to them. Not the greatest draft in the world, but not a bad draft by any stretch. So definitely a solid B, B+. My New England Patriots, man. We Honestly, I thought... So it, it felt obvious that the Lions traded down number six because they wanted Devin Witherspoon, didn't get him and thought, okay, we'll just take the next best cornerback at 12. Yeah. And then they went running back. But it's like, honestly, at six, if they take Christian Gonzalez, I don't think anyone bats an eye. At 12, if they take Christian Gonzalez, no one bats an eye. And somehow, some way, the commanders mess up their pick at 16 and take, I don't even know who, like the smallest human being in the entire <laughs> world that's allowed to play cornerback uh, and let the Patriots get Christian Gonzalez, who was kind of the consensus most athletic blue chip prospect at corner, not necessarily the best corner. He's not quite fully refined, but if there's someone that I trust to tap into every last bit of potential of a defensive back, it's bill Belichick, man, was I jacked to see how our draft laid out. Um, you know, we got Keon white who I know you were not high on, but at least we didn't reach for him in the first round. We waited until the second, uh, you know, his mentality really struck, struck me as a Patriots mentality, like kind of listening to, to how he goes about football. I think he's a very versatile player, plays a lot of three, five, and all the way on the end. So uh, he's the kind of guy that can just be all over the line, which makes a ton of sense. We got some no-name guy out of Sacramento State that is apparently just like, I mean, blazing fast at safety. Like we, we really, really highlighted getting speed on this defense that for a long time has been slow with the, you know, the hard hitters like uh, Dante Hightower. But I'm, I'm mm-hmm. glad we're kind of picking up the pace a bit. And then in, in the sixth round, we get uh, Keishon Butte, you know, the guy we've unfortunately talked about a little bit um but he has that you know round one upside if he didn't have such an abysmal senior or i guess junior season with injuries etc but uh, a guy that has a ton of potential so i think the patriots did a really good job oh they did great i mean honestly the as much as i loved witherspoon and had him at cornerback one like you can't tell me that the gap between him and gonzalez is 12 picks like you got to be stoked to get Gonzalez at 17. That is incredible value. Uh, we, we were making fun of Keon White just because of that green room invite. And getting him in the second round, though, was just so good. Like, we all knew that he wasn't going to go first round. But second round, that is so perfect. And, I mean, at this point, your only question about him is, like, are his mentals okay? Because he get drafted in the first round. We'll see on that. And then uh, your Mapu pick. 
Like it feels like he could play any position on the defense. He could play a little safety, a little linebacker, maybe even go out to corner for getting frisky. Like I really like this Patriots draft. I think a lot of people are sleeping on it. Uh, my for my uh, B grade here, I went Houston Texans. Uh, you, you can't get mad about getting QB one and Edge one, and that's CJ Stroud and Will Anderson Jr. I, you and I kind of talked about a lot, like is a four player draft at the top, and they got two of the four. Paid a fuck ton to make that happen, but they got two of those four guys. Didn't really matter what they did with the rest of the draft at that point. Like they got their foundational players, and I think they're both elite level prospects. So super excited to see what they do next year. And I'll go to a lot of their games because I freaking yeah. live here. Yeah, Texans, I definitely had it be, and then I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm talking about the Patriots anywhere else. So give me give me my two minutes to really, you know, highlight my boys here. Get a I few more not, minutes if you want to. Do not have to take my sign down after what we did. So nope. pre- pretty happy with it. Uh, C grade. I'm not as hard on the Lions as you are. It's just fun to rile you up. I think they're kind of in that C category. They picked really good athletic players. They just picked them at the wrong time. Like, I don't know why we're reaching where we're reaching to get some of these guys. I think Jack Campbell can be a stud. I don't know if I'm taking him at pick 18. It really felt like, you know, maybe trade up to the 40s if you're worried about him not making it to the 50s. Uh, It just, it didn't seem like the right time to grab him, but what do we know? Uh, Jameer Gibbs, again, I I think you could have got him at 18. I, I th- really would have liked to have seen you guys grab um, just best available at 12. Uh, you know, you could have got another tackle. You could have Christian got, Gonzalez. Uh, he was right there. You got Christian Gonzalez for sure. Like, I punched the I, table. It, 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 a, lot of, a lot of things that could have happened. But end of the day, I think the Lions are, are just a, a good team. I, I, I think this draft didn't help him, didn't hurt him. Puts him right at sea. Yeah, and a lot of people don't even talk about like they draft this guy in the third round, a defensive tackle who didn't even have a draftable grade on most people's uh, big boards. Like he wasn't even like a top 500 player. And the Lions were like, fuck it. We know better than you. We're going to draft him in the third round. It's like, why? What are you doing? What is this intel that people are feeding you? It's super frustrating. I had the Cardinals here with the C grade. Obviously, you know, they traded down from three. So automatically, like you're just not getting as good of a player. Then they traded back up to number six. And I was like, wow, what a move. Like they literally maneuvered this to where they could get Jalen Carter. Like talk about rebuilding that defense quickly, especially after today. They announced that they're not going to resign or they're not going to give the fifth year contract uh, to Isaiah Simmons, the fifth year option there. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're going to get Jalen Carter. It's so exciting. And then they just didn't actually draft Jalen Carter. It was so disappointing. As much as I love Paris Johnson Jr., I just don't think he was worth a top six pick. Like, he's not that elite of an offensive tackle. You can't tell me he's that much better than Peter Skronsky, who likely would have been there still at 12. I, just a weird pick, in my opinion. So I, I the Cardinals, the best I could give him was a C. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, honestly, if Jalen Carter... Bust in like two years, you and I are gonna have to eat a lot of uh, a lot of crow pie uh, for the amount we're hyping him up for yeah. sure. He's Ed Oliver, like you can't get mad about it, yeah. you know. Like he's solid at the very least. Yeah. So then D grade, you know, not completely like head scratching, but not great. I thought the Falcons. I had talked about the Bijan pick, but like just a lot of their picks in general. Just you're kind of like, uh, did, is this what they needed to do? Like they, they need to completely revamp their O line. They need to completely revamp their defense, kind of like. And honestly, at the end of the day, I think they need a quarterback. Unless they're just like Desmond Ritter is just this unbelievable player that we you know saw none of that last season. Um, uh, they had the the capital to try to maybe move up a couple slots and get a guy, and and I just don't know why they didn't try to do that. Yeah, definitely a. Uh head scratching draft in a lot of ways for the Falcons, just incredibly average. I felt the same way about Chicago bears. They also got a D grade from me. Did not like the Darnell Wright pick at all. It just really felt like a reach. It felt like a guy that they could have gotten in late first round or in the second round. And just given all the other options that they had there at that point in the draft, I was like, why Darnell Wright out of all these guys like Skronsky, was still there. Like, talk about a match made in heaven, a guy going over from Northwestern just down the road from Evanston to Chicago. It would have been perfect, and it felt like they fumbled it away. Like, it, the Bears had a lot of good momentum going into the, this offseason and really honestly liked the Lions, and it really felt like they just kind of fell flat in this draft. I like the Roshan Johnson pick, the Noah Sewell pick, not bad, but a lot of these other ones were just kind of didn't really move the needle for me. Yeah, and then the F grade, 
I think you and I both, it's less about who they picked and more of just like, what did you expect from this draft? So the 49ers didn't have a pick until the third round and they use it on a kicker. Um, th- this this whole draft is really, do you guys win a Super Bowl after getting Christian McCaffrey? Yes or no? Um, and, and that's kind of kind of de- you know kind of gauge it all. I, I don't know. I, if if some of your fifth rounders play meaningful minutes, great. If not, like that's kind of what happens with fifth rounders. But like, I mean, you just you can't feel like oh we got better after this draft. Like, all you guys really got was a kicker, and you have Robbie Gold who just makes everything ex- as long as it's inside of fifty. Yeah, absolutely. The positional value was just off. That's all what it came down to. And it also really hurt the other team that I have here in the F grade, which is the Miami Dolphins. I did not like this draft for them. Yeah, you go Cam Smith, which is a solid talent. But talk about being in a short window right now like they are. They have they have a relatively healthy Tua. They have two wide receivers that are insane. They have a lot of running back depth. And they also have Jalen Ramsey. So, like, why are you going corner with your first pick in the draft, which is all the way in the second round after not having a selection due to the Tom Brady stuff? I love the A-chain pick just for fantasy. I don't necessarily love it for them for positional value. And then the, they just didn't have a lot of other picks. They didn't have another pick until the sixth round. Four total picks in this entire draft for the Miami Dolphins. So, definitely a weird one. Didn't love it. Just didn't have much going on. And I just don't think they made the best, the best of their value that they had here. So, Miami. F. There we go. That's uh that's our draft recap. Man, we're we're in F five season, full blown, nothing really going on, just refreshing to see if any news comes out. What are we doing for content going forward? That's the real question. Dude, I don't know. I want to have Eddie and all the the rest of the guys like Samir, Amir. I want to have them on for another NBA breakdown i know you haven't really been watching much of the playoffs but yeah right now it's just about recuperating i feel sick right now i think i'm just exhausted from the weekend and uh yeah maybe there'll be some exciting news maybe the lions will actually do something right for once maybe i I will say i'll give myself props i've been paying attention to the playoffs maybe not watching it but uh, excited for lebron v steph version what 12 at this point like I, i think that's kind of cool to see maybe even the last time uh so that should be pretty fun uh, it's great to see the Nuggets sticking it to the Suns. Like, there's a lot, a lot of good things going on. Yeah, as lo- as wrong as I was about the Cavs, I was so right about the Nuggets. Like, the Nuggets are legit, and I think they're going to win it all. I can I convince you to watch the NBA Finals if that happens? Will you watch if the Nuggets make it? I mean, I'd, I'd watch it. Honestly, any of these teams that are left, minus the Suns, I'm I'm probably interested in seeing how they would do in the finals. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bunch of entertaining teams, and it's honestly been a super fun NBA playoff so far. So. Speaking of which, time to go watch the Lakers games. game. All right. See you, everybody. <laughs>